I think to any process of any musician, I think there's a lot of psychology behind all this stuff, right? There's a, a journey I think many of us have in common in terms of struggling with ourselves, maybe then trying to reinvent ourselves and then finally learning that it's okay to just be who you are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tapping the Flow. You just heard the voice of Gita de Ritter, a singer-songwriter from Holland. Gita and I have been friends for aeons plus aeons, a long time basically, um, but during the course of the podcast uh, we seem to hit upon the fact that there's many things that we have in common that we didn't really know we had in common. We speak in quite a bit of detail about what being a creative is in the current climate and how you can be affected by what other people think of you, but ultimately if you come back to who you are, the core version of yourself, then you will emanate as a much stronger person. Um, and this is massively showcasing Gitta's work. She makes the music she wants to make. It emanates from herself and sounds as she does. She draws her own artwork and it all fits together in a wonderful way. So I invite you to take a long, long swim through this one. This is brilliant. We speak about the joys or not so obvious joys actually of the uh, road lifestyle. Gitta and her partner Joris set off after a recording session in my old studio uh, on a trip around Europe in an old Mercedes truck. They went off around France and Portugal and Spain and places like that. Um, but you'll hear it's not so idyllic, you know. There are many things to consider. This beautiful van life existence isn't always as pretty as the um, current trend seems to make it. There's food for thought there. Um, we also speak quite a bit about our old rock school days and things like that. Before we dive into the conversation, talking about tea as usual, I guess. <laughs> um, take a listen to this. This is the music from Gita's uh, latest release for our children. Uh, it is bloody fantastic stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Over to Gita. is cruel, it ties and tears, aches and it yearns. This hypothetical divides, this drinking what's your poison this is coffee yeah and, and this is the tea i'm gonna have afterwards oh that's hardcore that's like uh, chasing vodka with a beer cool <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just I, I just thought it'd be healthy to have some tea as well 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, well, how are you, first of all? Welcome to the uh, Tapping the Flow show. It's so nice to finally have you on to everybody who's listening. This is Gita the Ritter. And we've been friends for, I don't know, more than 10 years, maybe 2012, something You know, like it, that. It, was, uh, it was actually 2008 that right. we met. 12 years. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. 12 years. And this Going is the, on 13. This is the weirdest time we've been in so far. For sure. For sure. With the COVID, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, let's not talk about that because that's obviously what everybody's thinking about, but we don't need to think about that. No. Um, we should uh, talk about music and the part that makes you tick. Uh, I guess it's been making you tick since you were very, very young. What's the reason for that? Uh, I, well, my family was uh, very music oriented. Uh, my dad was singing, uh, doing uh, operettas mainly. My granddad was an opera singer. My grandmother was an opera singer violinist. Um, so there was a lot of music surrounding me. My dad's one of these super uh, hardcore music fans that has a huge record collection and, and there was always music on. So um mm-hmm. grew up with it. Started singing when I was six. Um, then played violin as well. Didn't, didn't practice ever. I don't know why. Whenever I have to do something, I find resistance to it. Yeah. So I didn't practice, which didn't make it more fun because I wasn't very good at it. So I, I quit. But then I picked up a guitar when I was 12. Um, and I think simultaneously started coming up with little songs of my own because I, I found that more fun than trying to learn other people's songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember when I was younger, um, I had um, one of these just simple radio players that had a, a, a little tape deck in it and you could record the radio mm-hmm. onto the tape and I, I, I distinctly remember, I must have been seven or eight uh, I would make little tapes of mixed uh, news time channels so I would kind of tune between the different radio stations to make this like messed up sentences mm-hmm. and I remember like really enjoying that so I suppose that's like part of the creative aspect of making music of collage and sound and like kind of having fun with that you were a dj from a young age then <laughs> oh yeah i'm not a dj but yeah yeah it's good to get that out of the way at a young age you know <laughs> i you have a very similar trajectory to me actually um i uh i'm not that my parents weren't particularly musical but i think um i started playing the piano when i was six or something like learning music but then i played the violin and uh, I didn't really enjoy playing it. Uh, and I, I was called a, a fucking idiot at one point by my teacher. Oh, you know, shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember, like, I remember, you, did you ever play in the orchestra? Because you go to the orchestra and I'd pretend, I pretend pretending to play. I didn't actually have to play because there were so many <laughs> other people actually playing. <laughs> I, I think, do you know what it was? I didn't like having this thing sticking out of my chin. I wasn't into that. Like, and, uh, but it's I, a bit awkward. It's an, it's an awkward <laughs> thing. It's like, it, it demands so much from you, you know, and... Um, Musically speaking, it's quite tricky to to really master it, but it doesn't offer the ability to sing and play at the same time in the same way I'd like that, with a guitar. Yeah, I think also with the violin, it's sort of <laughs> you have to be really good to make it sound good. You know, it's not the kind of instrument you can you can play badly and then it still be fun. No, not for anybody, you know, no. it's terrible. Yeah. It's really difficult, so you really have to go for it to, to get good and then make it into something expressive and beautiful. And I think. Um, you know, kudos to those that have that have been able to do that and get there. But it takes a definite amount of skill and like uh, 
disciplined practice. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's many different forms of discipline in people, but that sort of discipline is definitely not one of my skills. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, um, so you started writing songs at 12. What um, kind of things were they? I don't, you know, I, I I think at the time, because it was the easiest thing, I was playing like power chords and stuff and listening to bands like Nirvana and No Doubt. And mm-hmm. um, I, I suppose I, I was simultaneously like trying to learn their songs. It was before we had all these snazzy websites with tabs on it. So I would just kind of listen to what was going on and then figure out which sort of power chord to play to, to sort of play along. Mm. And I think from there I would kind of, put some words on there or little melodies um and i remember i had a had a friend when we were we were 13 uh we would we would do that together as well like we'd come up with little little lyrics and and just sing to it i i can't remember them actually being sort of songs in structure or Mm. you know like they might have just been snippets of something or was there an emotional release Definitely, I think that's for most songwriters the, the the thing, right? I I I think one of the triggers for me was my my uh, great grandmother, who I was very close to, passing away, and I think that got me into like journaling a lot. I would just do diary writing, and mm. um, yeah, it was definitely like a like a release of tension in life, like uh, family issues or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about songwriting. I mean, if you're tapping into it, it's sort of allowing you to express something that maybe you weren't unable to express in any other way. And that I find with the guitar, because it's resting a, like it's wood and it's reflecting into my heart, that it sort of caresses the ability to release these things. You know, you're in symbiotic vibration with this instrument, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. You can hear guitarists that like you you know you can play that way that you really express through the guitar through the instrument yeah yeah it might be it's it's more that is a part of it but i think it's more that it sort of also allows you to be a certain way like because you know yourself when you sing without a guitar you do sing differently than when you've got the guitar like it's almost massaging yourself in some way that's obviously there's there are other ways of thinking about it because if you've got an electric guitar then the vibration is probably coming from like 10 feet next to you with a huge marshall stack and that yeah. can make you be very angry, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's much more distant in the experience somehow. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I find that too. It's and you, you've had your um, angsty moments in music making, because when I first met you, you were in a band that was called Evie for the Kill, right? Was that, was that the name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, well-remembered. Right, yeah. Um, I, I think I fluctuated between, like, when I was 15... Um, I think I had my first band and we were called Lakeside purely for the fact that our guitarist had a t-shirt on that said Lakeside on the first rehearsal and we needed a name. <laughs> um, cool. so, and, and the guys, there was three guys and me and they, they all wanted to play rock music and I, I was realising I really wanted to sing jazz because I, I just like the sort of vocal freedom in that more, not necessarily jazz jazz, but more sort of light and pretty yeah. or whatever. So the music became this kind of weird mix between <laughs> between the sort of, I guess, Queens of the Stone Age influences that they had and my sort of different input. Um, so there was a lot of rock bands and then like, I find it hard to have a place for my voice in those. Uh, and then I would go through a phase of uh, going back to acoustic and then I, I sort of went between 
back and forth several times. So there was a rock band there, and then I was doing solo stuff. Then mm-hmm. I started studying music, actually dropped uh, the guitar for a couple of years. I hardly played because I was just singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back to it, and it was all acoustic again. And then I moved to London. And I think that phase, actually, with the, with the rocky side was a response to the overwhelm of the city, actually. It's just like you feel you have to shout to be heard because of so yeah. much noise. And um, yeah, I think after about a year and a half, I thought, no, I, I just, I'm, this is not me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's, I'm trying to be something I'm not. That's happened to me because I think, yeah, because I, I, coming from, from Southwest Ireland where they were, obviously it was quite rocky, but I, I loved that sort of lilting sort of acoustic stuff. And then when I went to London, well, I made this record, Pillar Cat Wee, which is basically some of the sounds sound like underground trains and all sorts of screeching brakes and things <laughs> like that. And I think it's healthy, of course, to be infiltrated by your environment. Um, but maybe if that happens, you need to change your environment if you're not happy with it. It's, it's, it's good that we reflect ourselves through our music, you know, that we go through phases like that. So, yeah, we have, again, have quite a similarity <laughs> in that there. Um, there is a, there is a feature of your voice which is quite prominent, which is you have a, a amazing use of vibrato, which is very um, part of how you sing. Where did that come from? You know, I have no idea at all. I think that's just naturally a thing I do. There's been periods where it's been more uh, apparent, mm-hmm. and periods where it's sort of calmed down a bit. Um, I actually remember at uh, at my music degree. Uh, the the vocal teachers didn't like it and tried to make me not do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you go to some through some kind of like musical identity crisis with your own instrument, I suppose, which is weird. I like came out of that course not enjoying singing much. Actually, like it just didn't feel nice. Mm. Um, because but, was you know, that there when you were singing when you were younger, the vibrato? I I suppose not. You know I. It's an interesting question. I should. I have recordings of me when I was fifteen, like uh, yeah. performances at my high school or something. Uh, we we did like the Christmas gathering or something. We'd play like a Christmas song with a school band or stuff like that. So there is there is recordings from me when I was that age. I should go and look them up because I <laughs> I'm not sure. You should. Yeah, yeah. It's um because it's it's it is a, a particular feature that when it comes to um, working in a pop environment, it's probably less desirable. You know, I was called ham. I told I was singing very hammy by a producer, <laughs> frenemy of mine. And uh, and uh, I think that I developed a lot of these things <laughs> when I was younger, when I was younger, when I was singing in pub bands or before that, I ended up being the singer because I could shout. But I was shouting for a reason, not because I wanted to be heard, but because I wanted to feel that energy coursing through my body. And I'm wondering if this vibrato is also something deep within your core that, that you know, it's not like you're doing it. It's almost like it's doing you, you know what I mean? It's um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you but should I, embrace I think, that, you know what I mean? It's very important to keep that on. I'm glad you did. Well, I think with any voice development, it's about a sort of grounding into your own voice. And that, that can only happen over time. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we let go of this external analysis of what it should or shouldn't sound like and just sort of... Uh, come home into your body and just give it space then it becomes more natural and then it sort of finds its own timbre or whatever um Mm. i've heard the same with you know when you listen to your music from like uh 2000 to to your last album ode there's such a big difference and yeah you can just hear the maturing 
yes, I suppose so. You can. It's a funny one because I used to sing more like I sing now um, before I actually went into a studio to properly re- produce an album and was told to sing a certain way because it didn't fit with the conditions that would equate to being a proper recording. And uh, so I feel that I lost, if you listen to, and there's an album called Pillar Cats, which has got unbelievable ways in it, but I'm sort of singing like Kermit the Frog. I don't like singing like that. I would not sing like that. I would prefer to be ragged than controlled or restrained. And so I did, I went through quite a long period of being, I don't know what it is. It's allowing someone to control you, you know? And I think you've probably been there as well and stuff that you've recorded over time. You do try and fit into the bigger picture. But you yeah, tend- often it's not even what... It's elements of what we've been told, but it's also elements of what we believe is uh, uh, acceptable hmm. in in um, in the sense of what people want to hear, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's our own idea we've made up in our own heads. I think. Yeah. Does it, does uh, out of out of aspects of different people's opinions or different. Yeah, we both went to rock school, you know. Um, Maybe that's got something to do with it, you know. Why did we go to rock school? Why did you go to rock school? Well, actually, the the Rock Academy uh, was the very first uh, pop music course in the Netherlands uh, before it was actually a, a proper um, university degree thing. It was like a like a uh, how is it how is it called like a private school in in some way. Right, it was okay. like a private, th- and then it transformed, and now it became part of the School of Arts. Um, and when I was, I think, 15, uh, my final year of high school, uh, I went to the open day there and I just fell in love with it because it was really free and everyone was all like, just really cool. And mm-hmm. uh, and at that point, I actually wanted to go and study guitar, not singing. I, I wanted to, to go study guitar there. But then I had to do another three years of um, college before I could go there because yeah. it was the next thing from, from college. Uh, and in those three years, things changed, and in the end, I went to do vocals. But um, at that point, some of the conservatories in Holland had started pop courses, and I actually got into the one in Amsterdam as well. But I, I just wanted to go to to Tilburg. It was like felt like um, my big dream I had since I was fifteen, I suppose. Mm. Um, so it it just made sense i felt at home there in a way yeah yeah i enjoyed it i mean it was good for it was i think it continued it allowed the journey to continue if nothing else you know it's sort That's of the like thing, isn't it? yeah it made it did sort you have of, a similar thing where you're younger and you, you sort of see that as a as a goal in itself and you think well when i get there i've i've made it like yeah you know quotation marks made it it's like um, base camp isn't it you know then yeah. you move on to advanced base camp but this <laughs> i think this base camp was maybe in the wrong place and on the wrong mountain but anyway it was a base camp nonetheless you know <laughs> <laughs> i've actually been to bali ferment uh, because funnily enough we didn't know each other at the time right mm. but i uh, as part of the rock academy there was a ye- yearly band camp and i think this was after you left bali ferment as well and it was uh, it was Bally Fermat, people from Westminster in uh, Westminster Uni in London, uh, people from the Rock Academy in Holland, and Pop Academy Mannheim in okay. Germany. Okay, yeah. And it was like two hundred music students coming together for uh, seven days, just playing music and obviously getting drunk, and it was madness. 
Actually, there was a few people from Hungary as well, and the teachers themselves started drinking with breakfast. <laughs> that's <laughs> what that... I, kind of strange. I think that was the last year that the people from Hungary <laughs> were part of it. <laughs> oh, look, in, in, our, um, in our rock school, we were, we were allowed to. We had, we had Spinal Tap class where we sat down in the morning to watch Spinal had, Tap, and I just drank beer same. in the class. Yeah. For English class, we watched Spinal Tap. <laughs> that's so funny. So, um, yeah, it's good. But with the with that, there was a, an Irish guy who was going to Bali ferment, and we went out for I think a year and a half or something. So I went to visit him in Chapel Izzard a oh, couple right. of yeah, times, yeah, yeah. and uh, and been to Bali ferment, which is funny when we met, right? Mm. I was like, oh, that place, yeah, I remember. Anyway, yeah, yeah, Chapel Izzard, yeah, amazing. I I was tossing between going there for the exchange program or going to London. Obviously, it became London in the end. But yeah, yeah, you made the right choice. I think. <laughs> Valley Firm, it's good though. It's it, it nothing else. It teaches you that the hardship of life isn't as hard as it can be, in in some ways. It's a, like if you <laughs> the further west you go, the less rest you get. Um, so after having done your various changing of um, styles, you uh, then found your sound. Essentially, what was the pivotal moment in finding your sound? Um, I got to a point where I. I just on the whole wasn't enjoying making music and I, I didn't know why. So I stopped for like a year and I did something entirely different. Um, I trained to teach Pilates mm-hmm. um, also because I wanted to make money and um, have time left over for music. But I suppose at that point I didn't know what, what I wanted to do music wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I had this year out and actually in this year um, you were doing uh, quite a few things and mm-hmm. uh, and we went to Ireland for some shows together uh, this was definitely part of the coming back home musically um, and it was it was your tunes and we were supporting Mike um, Passenger yeah and uh, and also seeing Mike play um, and, and we did a writing session together and it just brought me back to the simplicity of just a song a guitar and a voice and actually being about uh, the, the message and the connection to the people in the story. Um, so I, th- I think that made me realize that for me that was an essential part of why I was here. Mm-hmm. And I I, I I was on a holiday as well in the same year. Um, I was on Gozo in uh, Malta. It's mm-hmm. a smaller island of Malta. And I was sat on this bench and I, I remember thinking, oh, well, if I go back to London and I would never teach Pilates in my life again, I wouldn't really care. Because that's, you know, I, I enjoy that and um, it's good, but I don't, whatever, you know. Mm. Uh, but if I never played music again, I, I, was, I would doubt why I'm here, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it, I guess it gave me a, a drive to just get back to that. And then in that year following, I think, I tried to write a song a week. I kind of managed to. I think I wrote about 50 songs in that year following. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, do you think that that, I do remember being in the in the room writing Spider Bite, and um, <laughs> yeah. I thought what was the, the so was it mono, What was it called? Life in monochrome. Life in monochrome. I find it the other day. Actually, it's a really nice song we wrote. Yeah, so should, I uh, I remember it. feeding that f- feeding the idea that you should write songs, and then you did write fifty songs in a year, which was brilliant. I wonder if that moment is similar to when you were much younger, like 14, 15, writing songs because they had a purity to you. And uh, did it feel like re- re-engaging with that part of yourself? Uh, definitely. And I think I think also when you get to a point in writing where it can be about the activity of writing 
rather than the outcome of what the song is or isn't mm. um it's a it's a meditative and freeing experience and it becomes fun because it's not you're not constantly analyzing or judging yourself in the process and that was a that was a big change as well and mm-hmm. something i really tried to ap- ap- approach it in that way and that um yeah i guess that makes it more childlike and creative in that sense as well yeah so definitely that is going back to i guess back to the source <laughs> yeah and, and because you've now you you've continued that and and you continue to grow into that that part of you so you know because now your 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 artwork is there's a very very cohesive theme to it it's it's it is playful and uh, creative in a childlike sense a lot of your songs have childlike wonder about them as well obviously interspersed with far darker moments as well but generally you are you are still maturing into yourself, um, but I, I was wondering about things in in life when we veer away from who we really are. You know, you are coming back to being yourself. Um, I wonder if you know going to the music college and that sort of stuff. The early part of time in London, you were trying to be something you weren't, and then you, that's why you fell out of love with it and you clicked back into place. And then you made your own record, um, and then you made another record with me, and then then you made another record, and they're all very very of a style, of your mm-hmm. style. Um, but you were still quite anglicised at that point. Um, and when you came to the studio with me to, to set up with your with, with Yoris and your amazing travelling home, you know, we, <laughs> we did that recording session, but then you went off around Europe. Um, and I'm just going to tag on the end of this so you can sort of realise what I'm saying. After you came back to Holland after your journey, you've become much more Dutch, you know, I don't know if you know that, but your whole persona now is much more Dutch. You know, you're speaking your language again. You have been through many, many parts of Europe, seen how people are and seen traveling people. But now you seem to be more yourself than you ever have done in the past. Do you feel like that? Do you recognize the journey? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, there's uh, <laughs> to any uh, process of any musician, I think there's a lot of psychology behind all this stuff right there's a there's a a journey i think many of us have in common in terms of uh, struggling with ourselves maybe then trying to reinvent ourselves and then finally learning that it's okay to just be who you are mm. and i think that's reflected in that in that journey as well and it was i don't know i, I remember going to london with this idea that i would show everyone you know that i could do this or whatever it was like a, an external motivation of like i have something to prove here um, mm. And I think coming back here makes me realise that uh, that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I think uh, I- identity-wise, whatever that means, um, it's it is like a, a journey of coming back home. At the same time, in the last year and a half, I've hardly written any songs, mm. um, and it's because I I haven't needed to because I've been working on the album and I've been doing a lot of drawing and other things. Um, but that'll be interesting now. I wrote um, only two in the last year. Um, so it'll be interesting when I come back to that to see how, how that process would have changed on mm. the back of the this sort of journey and this, like, I guess, coming back to somehow like a starting point of the of the circle. Yeah, you haven't begun to process that part of your life then so far. You're, we do, I think we do as songwriters tend to work like in phases. Yeah. I, I don't think I've even started to write about my time in London yet. You know, and that was a huge part of time. Whether I will is another story, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. um, it's all 
I guess it. I keep coming back to this. Like when we are young, we we form the creative part of ourselves within us, you know. And I think it's 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 pure at that point. And I found myself, you know, really yearning to be that person that I was in Ireland as well, where I learned to be a singer songwriter when I needed to be it for my own self. And there've been points in time when I've needed needed it to sort of cure myself as well. But I don't know. I still I can still listen to that stuff with a lot of love, you know. And I. I don't regret what's happened in my life, but um, I think it's just I'm glad to have come back to where I was, you know. I'd hate to be the other person, you know. <laughs> I think that's nice when you when you can see someone's journey from, from a, a distance, you know. Like the the same with, with your music, like being able to observe it through the years and like it seems like you're in the same place now where you've come back to just you mm. um, without the external like opinion of what it should or shouldn't be what you should or shouldn't do yeah um, but i think i think that's a a big driving thing in creativity in general is that it's like taking you to a childlike place of uh just being because as a kid we're not overthinking everything yet mm. yeah yeah i i think it's for me, actually, this whole coronavirus thing is sort of like, I think it sort of laid bare apparent that whatever you are right now is what you probably would like to be moving forwards and strip away all the rubbish, all the stuff that's around it. Um, and if you can sit in a field with a guitar and a pen and paper, you're going to be sorted, you know, as long as you've got good songs. The rest of it is totally superfluous. You don't need any of that stuff. So I think that that, that was what I had when I was younger. That's what I have again now. Um, and the rest of it is just stuff you know the less stuff you have the better so i do feel like yeah i i've, I've got too many guitars now i only need one i only need yeah. one pen i need more paper but that's okay and i'm, I'm enjoying this you know we, we i think it, it was almost like not 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 the threat of dying but the thought of it sometimes leaves you going okay what what is my legacy what would i like to leave behind let me strip off all this stuff and just be you know do you think that you're at that point as well yourself now um yeah definitely in a way uh, i'm mainly wondering lately why i'm spending so much time on all the uh, uh marketing uh, slash organizational stuff that comes with it mm -hmm. um more that than the actual creative part and it, I, um i find the balance in that really hard so i guess i'm not spending enough time actually doing the creative thing yeah that's okay to, though to, but i know that's phases as well yeah it's like uh it's like you know, reaping and sowing like you, you need to it's a cycle you know you need to write stuff then you record it then you're and then you're actually working on all the marketing and all the the, the other stuff that comes with it and then you and then there's a new creative process and you begin from the yeah. planting the seed again yeah yeah um so yeah i think it it does bring a new focus into what's important, you know, and what you what you want, and um, and I'm usually enjoying just not having any other stuff to do because Pilates is just not happening now, which is shit for money, but it's great because I I can just actually I'm actually doing what I want to do and it's just focusing on music. Yeah. And uh, until you invent some sort of two meter long hand system to be able to do some unique form of Pilates where people can be social distancing Pilates. Yeah, I saw I saw a physiotherapist posting uh, that with like a like rubber hands on a stick, like <laughs> massage. It was funny. 
Um, oh god yeah but yeah i think you know with every situation always there's there's uh good things and and bad things you know there's there's a challenge and and usually a lot of good things can come out of that um yeah so as i say i'm just like pen and paper and guitar and that there is another side to it as well and that you can't continue to do that unless you build a foundation upon which to do that so I am actually studying marketing. I'm studying social media marketing. I am almost working with an iPhone and trying to dive into how you do it because it's a it's a wonderful resource with with uh, which to promote your music. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, on the other side of it, yes, you do need to market yourself, and I have been told that it should be eighty percent marketing and twenty percent creativity. This um, is the reality. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, in a way, sadly, on the other hand, if you can put the same amount of creativity into that aspect... Which you do. If I look I, at your Instagram profile, it's a wonderful curation of who you are. Yeah, I try to. Like, mm. I see it as a diary, in a way. Mm. And, like, uh, the thing I enjoy most about it is a direct connection to, to the fans, followers. Because um, you build a real relationship with them, and that's what it's about, I think. And sometimes I wonder, like, we're in this as artists like in this uh, trajectory of looking outward to this point we want to get to but forget what you already achieved and where you're already at and when I stop and think about it like realistically without thinking about the numbers of what comes into my bank account and what goes out whatever I'm actually already where I wanted to be but it's so easy to forget that and get frustrated Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge when you get to this point, you know, where you're actually making the records and you're putting it out there and you've, you know, you've spent time on doing artwork and like making it look right and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Um, Well, you're improving all the time and you're still doing it. Those two things are huge, you know. I think it's important to realise that, of course, and you've written some brilliant songs and I, I feel I've written some good songs. I do know I haven't really tried at all to make it work, and I'm I'm going to look at that. I want to emerge from this thing as in a far greater position than I am or than I was going in, and I will do so. But I th- I, I do sometimes wonder if I'd gone slightly differently, would I've written better songs anyway? I don't know about that, you know. But then that's what does that even mean? You know, better or worse or, you know, it's like, is is it a better song because more people want to hear it? No, that, it's, a, it's the it, best it, song is the one that brings you to the fore. So you can, uh, you have songs like this when you look at the lyrics and you go, oh, that's what I was saying. You didn't realise that until you yeah. looked months down the line. That's yeah. a success. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're both very successful. <laughs> yes. Well, we can both so. lie in the gutter and look at the stars. It's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thinking, oh shit, how am I going to pay rent next month? Oh, fuck it. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, rent, sorry, sorry. what is that? But we see the sun came up this morning. It's okay. You know, that's fine. This is quite incredible, actually. Every time that happens, it's, it's quite amazing. an incredible thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that massive glowing rock that seems to be like there, if that fell, you know, you've got to appreciate the moon. It's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, so so we've established that we're highly su- successful and um, <laughs> this is good. That's why we're having this podcast chat. Um, on your on your travels, though, after you left the studio, we should talk about this because that studio experience, obviously that the album we made previous to that was a very, very special experience as well. Um, but this one was a really interesting one because you performed the songs and then you left 
uh, on a yeah. six month trip, right? Was it six months? Uh, total was eight months. So yeah, I had a month in the UK and then uh, seven months uh, around Europe. So you experienced something that I really am interested in, which is van life um, or mobile house, huge <laughs> van life. But you know, you did that and you met the people along the way who did that. Five star hotel van life. Um, yeah. yeah, we did. We met a lot of people on the way who did that, who've been doing it for years, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, uh, th- there's, as, as with everything in life, there's a uh, pros and cons. Um First things first, actually, I thought about the the recording process because this funny funny thing that happened while we were in the studio where we chose the songs and it be- became a story. Like, I had to figure out the order of the songs, but um, uh, you know, we went through demos and like figured out which ones they were going to be. Mm. Then recorded them, the the basis of it, the guitars, the voice, and then I had all these ideas of what I wanted to add to them on the trip and that seemed hugely ambitious and impossible um but actually managed to do everything that we discussed at that point yeah um but i remember we got because we, we started in england i had a tour we, we recorded um and then we went to france and then i think the first month i was just i i just really needed a holiday so i did nothing we just we just were touristy and um made our way to to the north of spain and then we traveled along the north of Spain, met some people, um, someone who's been just living in his van for for years and he doesn't have he didn't have any other plan. Basically, mm. he was just traveling around. And I think after about two months, we were realizing that it's so fleeting in a way because you 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 see someone different every day. You see a different place every day. You, you know, every day is about finding the next place to stay at and eat. Um I felt it was taking up more time than just being home and being able to actually do what you want to do <laughs> in some sense. Mm. And and everything starts to kind of look the same. You know, it's like another beach and another mountain and another castle and another... That was about four months in. Really. How curious that with great freedom comes great restraint as well, you know. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. So, so I think it was by the time we got to Portugal, this was about three months in, in December. Um... I, I, I was trying to f- figure out plans for the album and I'd been doing a bit of busking, but I just hadn't met anyone. Uh, I didn't see any other buskers because we were traveling in winter and um, I, I did do a gig in the north of Spain that was really nice. And But there was just not that much happening. Like there was no like party nights or, you know, it was just mm-hmm. we were more kind of traveling like pe- pensionados, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and actually that we felt more related to them than the young people traveling because we I don't know I guess we're just not those kind of people so much Um, so that aspect was in some way maybe disappointing because I was expecting it to be this really social like you meet people all the time and then you have Mm. these adventures with people and you go for a night of drinking or whatever but that that doesn't happen when you move every day Mm-hmm. Actually, that happened in the south of Spain, uh, south of sorry Portugal, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of traveling community there that come there every winter, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I met uh, some people that were playing music as well on a, this hippie market, flea market thing. Yeah, and they were the first people I recorded with. It was a a duo called Coco Pilots, and uh, the guy is a trumpet player. He was actually French, and the girl is singer guitarist um, who is Portuguese. They were a couple. 
Mm. Um, and they're, and they're still doing van life. They're they're just mainly busking actually. Obviously at the moment they're not. Um, but yeah. that gave me faith that uh that maybe you know I could finish the album on the road and like there was more of a social aspect to it. So from there it things uh I guess got a bit more focused. Yeah, yeah. So maybe um, maybe the first portion of it you were also um resistant to it in some way. Do you think or just it wasn't accessible? You didn't get your face pierced and your cheek pierced and your <laughs> eyebrow pierced and your piercings pierced or anything like that. No. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was resistant to it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're just in, in a little bubble. I, I think also the year prior had been really intense and I just needed a break as well. Um, but, but I think, <laughs> I remember distinctly we were sat in Portugal in, in the south. There was a this thing called uh, Friday Happiness. <laughs> it's a pizza party. It's every Friday. And um, for 10 euros, you have unlimited pizza and like it's one euro a beer kind of thing. Or for a glass of port, that was like a proper glass of port for one euro. It was yeah. way too much of it. Anyway, I only had two. <laughs> that was enough. Right. Um, but we were there and there, we'd met some people and, and we still went to bed at 12 because we were feeling tired. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we, uh, I, I was planning these recordings and gigs in Italy and they were supposed to be in March and I think this was January at that point and then the gigs in Italy were, were looking like it wasn't really possible in March and um, everything that was coming in option wise was in April so we had to add another month to the travel mm-hmm. and weirdly enough at that point we actually we instead of feeling excited we were like oh shit a whole, a whole extra month <laughs> of <No> like <laughs> moving every day and like because in, in a way, it's like a beautiful freedom and at the same time, not at all, because you, the way we were traveling without money as well, we, we couldn't just stay somewhere for a week. We had to move every day because we were illegally camping. That's the issue, yeah. Um, so, so it's just, it's really restless as well, in a, in a way, you know. Wow, yeah. I, I don't know, it's, um, I, I was expecting this kind of like sepia-colored like dream of freedom and, and and dancing around like a, like a hippie with yeah, yeah. and uh, that that wasn't the reality of it and i think at that point in portugal we were really just missing seeing family or you know having some familiarity regularity yeah yeah so basically did that exist for other people though did you see that that might exist for them i think i think a lot of the people we saw that were doing this uh, long term Mm-hmm. There was there was two groups. There was one group that we, I think we can still see ourselves at. They as they they would be home. They would have a home. They would be home for half the year, and then they'd travel the other half of the year in the winter to get out. Like these are mainly people from Germany, mm-hmm. for instance. Like they're that you know it's cold in winter. They'll go south to to Portugal. So a, lot, a lot of people from England doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. They have somewhere to come back to. They have like a sort of. Uh, in brackets, ha- a normal life, and mm-hmm. then um, and then they would have the freedom to travel. I think that's the best of both worlds. Following the sun, yeah, yeah, and then and then there was a group of people who who are just traveling. That's what they did, and that's uh, and that's what they were doing, and that's what they maybe will always do, um, and that's it, it. Just it suits some people, and other people it doesn't. It, it just means that unless you're doing this with a partner, um, there's just yeah. It's, it seems even more sort of directionless, you know. 
Yeah. Is 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 the what what's the name of your van? Your house? Oh, at Lucky Trucky. Lucky, Lucky Trucky. Trucky. Uh, so we've Lucky, got a house number 13 on there as well. Okay, uh, Lucky Trucky number, number 13. Brilliant. Yes. So Lucky Trucky is a Mercedes um, horse box or was she, was she a horse? No. No? It was, uh, it was actually... Sorry, I can't... <laughs> sorry, my neighbour's just walking. <laughs> ah, that's okay, you can say hello. <laughs> no, my no, neighbor. it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was actually... Uh, she's she, he. <laughs> I, I think of her as a she... The, the vehicle yeah um, that's what i'd suggest maybe she, yeah. i i believe from 81 so yeah. she's 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 older than than i am yeah um and was initially a dutch postal truck right um and then someone in germany bought it um and did it up as a as a camper van put the the cove on the top mm-hmm. uh, the sleeping sort of area uh, and i think seeing some older pictures this was uh, circus people because okay. um, there's some pictures of this uh, of uh, of the truck in front of a circus tent and stuff, so I, I can only assume that, but I don't know. We don't know. I will ask you for some photos to put on the podcast page <laughs> so people can see this because he's a stunning vehicle, and uh, and more so because of the work that Joris and yourself added so much personality to Lucky Trucky number thirteen. Yeah, well, it's definitely a house. Um, actually, yeah. this was it was amazing during traveling because we have. You know, we have an oven, we have a normal stove, we have a shower with hot water. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't have a long, like, luxury shower, but we can have a shower, which is quite incredible. And a toilet. We just need, once a week, we need somewhere to fill up and empty. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of people that didn't have that traveling. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a, a majorly luxury thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yours is a, has spent a lot of his life working as a carpenter. So he he took everything out basically and and redid it so it's like a wood cabin, on wheels really, mm. um, and well we've been living in it for two years now so it is is a proper house. And it's still your house at the moment. Yeah, but we're now in the process of buying land to build uh-huh. a house, mm. uh, and we can park Chucky there as well, and then we hope to get back to the point where it's like six months here and six months sort of touring. Uh, but then at least you have somewhere steady to come back to. But then, yeah. you know, life does whatever it does. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that's the, so let's, let's think positively here. So in, I don't know, next year, um, you will be at, or at the end of this year, actually, you have a tour coming up. Would you be, would you be traveling in Truggy? No, we won't be because <laughs> this is the stupid thing, right? This is where we always have to sort of weigh up the, 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 things the choices hmm. we make but because we're trying to buy the land um yours is now working a full-time job because otherwise we could never get a mortgage yeah um to to do so so this means he can't take the time of work so actually i think most of it i'm going to be doing on my own um I just in a car or something be and be it it's just, it just feels really silly hmm. um considering we have a house that moves um but I guess it's it's one thing or the other. You have to make choices. It's like we can we yeah. can continue the the van life and just be on the campsite in the summers that we've, we've been doing the last two years, um, and then we can do the the touring. Um, but then, how many years you know can you keep that going? And how often is the opportunity there to buy land near Amsterdam and build a house within our budget somehow? Yeah, um, and design the house from scratch. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so you're sort of also also semi-describing the music industry as well. You do sort of have to do things properly so you can set yourself up to continue to do them on a higher level, um, and therefore <laughs> but this take is always tr- a gamble, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it was it was it is it hard to get trucky moving? Hard well, this- on you or hard on the vehicle or. <laughs> Well, the thing is, so it's a it's an actual truck, so you need a truck driving license, which yeah. I don't have. So yours has to do all the driving. Mm. She's very slow, which is fine. Um, we were doing like an hour and a half drive a day um, during our Europe tour, um, and then we just do small distances, and that made it nice. But it's loud and um, and slow. So you know, if, if in the UK we'd have like a two and a half hour drive, it would take about four. Um, yeah. And four hours driving in this is actually, it's not doable for yours. I think like the max is like three hours with a, with a stop um, and a good break. Because Why? you, you really no have to. There's no power steering. There is no power steering. There's like, it takes, it takes a lot of energy. Like it's a very different way of driving. Mm. Um, and the biggest issue at the moment, because it's an all timer, there's a uh, problem with the brake system. Uh, uh, sure, that's just, fine. Just yeah. an air pressure thing, like yours welded it together so that it can drive now. But we, if we need to get it MOT'd, because yeah. um, now it's uh, officially not active because we're on the campsite. You're parked up, yeah. Um, so to get the insurance back on, we'd need to get it MOT'd, and that will cost a hell of a lot of money. So actually, doing this tour as well now would be a lot more expensive if we take Truckee mm-hmm. than if, if I just drive with a normal car. Yeah, it's a the, commitment, isn't it, really? Like, you, you I, I suppose you do need to, you are bringing your whole house with you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not travelling light. It's no, the opposite no. of travelling light, yeah. It's, it is, I can recommend this experience to anyone who tours, though, like, you know, being able to sound check and then go home, wherever you are, go home, cook dinner. It's just something healthy you really want to eat. Have a nap and then go and do your gig. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite yeah. a nice luxury thing. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It'll feel weird to to just old school travel it, <laughs> you know, mm. with a with a trolley case and my guitar and lugging shit around and being on my own. How many gigs have you got? Actually, there is only five booked in now, and because of this situation, I mm. I feel hesitant to book more in. And also, like, who's booking gigs now? You know, everything's being moved to then. Um, There's not much available. We don't know what's going to happen. So I I kind of, I'm kind of waiting it out. Mm. (laughs) So I'll stick stick with the dates that are in there. And then if, you know, in, uh, this is all late October. I think the first one is on the 16th of October. Mm -hmm. If... um, by August time, you know, things look like they can really go ahead, then I'll, I might just try and plan in a load of house gigs, you know, and busk. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it, you know. To fill up the gaps. We don't know what's going on. Um, so tell us about the record. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have released or you are releasing in a series? Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's eight tracks. There's a lot of symbolism strung throughout the record in many ways. So, so there's eight tracks. There was also eight countries, um, and obviously number eight is a is an interesting number for its shape and meaning, um, and it made sense with the title, which is to our children, and um, it's all about circle of life, and I guess mm. and where where, we're, where we've come from and where we're going as a as a people. So about connection and mm-hmm. with ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess tying back into what we were talking about earlier for refining our own sort of home within ourselves. Um, and the artwork for it as well is, is all about 
balance it's like uh, earth and and sun and moon and rainbow and water and grass and you know ground and sky and mm-hmm. and it's actually a design my uh, granddad my step granddad made he's an architect um he made that as a stained glass window and he's a very religious man mm-hmm. um so uh, when he passed away it was around the time we started working well before we started working on this album but i think it gave it direction as well yeah and it's called to our children to our children and um and i seeing the making of it was like eight months plus a bit extra with mixing and you know finishing at the end but um i wanted to just put out one song each month and seeing it's 2020 i i wanted to keep going with the sort of number theme so the first track was on the third of the third and then fourth of april and then fifth of may and the sixth of june so so on um Mm -hmm. so the album will be out well the last track will come out on the 10th of october and with that i'll release the physical album Mm -hmm. so i suppose at that point there's only one track left to be released but for me that's the the full album release is when it's a package yeah yeah and it's is it a concept album does it have a start and end point? Is, is it? It feels like it might do. From how you're describing it, I think it. all the songs have their their own individual story and, and mm. theme. So I think it it works as loose songs in a way mm. as well. But there's definitely a, a start and finish to the album. It's mm. not just a just a bunch of tracks put together. Yeah. There's a there's a reason for the the themes sort of flowing into one another and the story throughout. What was the hardest song to write? To write? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, as you will know, there's two types of songs. Mm-hmm. There are songs that write themselves in about an hour or less. Um, they're the very satisfying ones. And then there are songs you write that you feel have a have something there that mm-hmm. you, you need to work with, but you need to work with it, and it takes time. Um and they can surprise you, I think, in the end. Uh, and I find those songs harder, but it can be more re- uh, differently rewarding in the end. So a song like The Clearing, I mm-hmm. had to, um, I had to uh, faff around with quite a bit, also in the in the rhythm and in the in the uh, to to make it really work. There was mm-hmm. a, a good idea there, but I but it wasn't working st- straight away. Um, I'm trying to think. I think. So I was just going to say that, you know, the the other thing about the songs and the way you've performed them is that they do have uh, a performance journey, never mind just a lyrical journey, they have a performance journey. And that's something that we both sort of chase after that the right take will tell the story. You know, you need the right take. It has to start somewhere. You have to mind your energy through, you have to present it in a way, you have to feel the song. Therefore, in the performances on the record, that's what you're hearing is you're hearing you feeling the songs through performing them. And yeah, the clearing definitely. is an example of something that needed that sort of expression as well, isn't it? Like it needed to find the right way of telling the story. Definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's definitely like throughout the album moments that are really intense emotionally. Um, that, yeah, that was definitely a performance mm. thing. I remember actually when we did um, Hypothetical You or I, yeah. um, which is, uh, uh, I think, the sixth track on the album. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah. Um, the 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 middle eight lyrically, I I feel is very um, relevant 
right now and uh, well at the time we recorded it and mm-hmm. i felt so emotional every time i tried to sing it that i couldn't i remember <laughs> yeah sing it. yeah um that was definitely tough to record it um and uh yeah and, and that's the one where i wanted the string quartet and i thought oh let's record strings in italy and then i thought how the hell am i going to do that and i did do it in the end you did do um, it yeah which is which is awesome it was that was very uh, emotional as well actually the first rehearsal with the string players was a uh, because we came up with that string part mm-hmm. on the on the logic yeah, the midi, yeah. midi keyboard yeah. basically and then uh, printed out the score from there and actually hearing people play that was quite uh, amazing yeah 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 <laughs> there's a huge difference between what a computer does with strings and what a real <laughs> yeah. human does with strings definitely <laughs> yeah was, was that one of the highlights for you that the string recording in italy uh definitely yeah, but also uh, the in in uh, sing uh, sing a song sing along the last song. Um, I wanted to have a kids choir, which obviously oh, had yeah. to be an English kids choir because it's in English, and getting a Dutch kids choir to sing in English would have been a, f- a funny <laughs> approach. Um, That's a YouTube video was, right there. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and and we came up with that idea, and I thought, how how is that going to work? Because I'm not going to be in England in the first place. And how and is how it worked? Because Howard did it right. So. Howard did it. Yeah. yeah. And well, f- uh, we were at Howard, a uh, friend, uh, friend's house and his wife, Chrissy, works um, at a school and they have a choir. Mm. And I-, I was just telling a bit about the, the recording and said uh, about this idea. And I said, oh, how am I going to ever make that happen? And Chrissy said, well, we could just ask the choir at school. And then they made it happen. Um, and I remember being, this was also in Portugal, I got the rehearsal recordings back from them of the kids singing it. And I actually sat down on the ground and I cried a bit because it was so wonderful to hear these kids sing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the message yeah, of the song, amazing. the message of the song is is about that sort of thing, isn't it? Like uh, kids Definitely. And, and bullying. Is it, well, is it about bullying or being free of that, such that's things? That's a theme that comes up. Yeah. 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 Release. Yeah. There's a lot of well, themes of self-forgiveness i mm. suppose uh things quite religiously influenced in a way right. i suppose with the whole concept of sin and and forgiveness and redemption and yeah all that and the and there's yeah a lot about that believing in yourself mm-hmm. like soul brothering soul sistering or um to wonder definitely uh, directly about bullying and mm-hmm. how other people's words can hurt a lot and it's, it's stay with you for much longer than yeah seems need necessary um so is it a healing record think, for you then d- in, uh, in definitely a lot of aspects of that yeah 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 for sure so yeah. you so yeah. you, you're living your journey then uh, still at this point which is you know that's the healthy way to live as a writer you do put yourself on the line though sometimes with this kind of stuff I think that's a scary thing, isn't it? Like whenever you put out something new, uh, you know, you're, you're putting you're putting yourself out there in a way, mm-hmm. and it, you make yourself uh, very vulnerable in some aspects. Like it's a uh, it it's very nice with this album to be putting out one song each month because I can experience what it's like to put out a, a new song and then realize in what ways. I'm approaching it really badly, like in a way that makes me really stressed or like, you know, but it brings on a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So it feels like a, a good journey to do it that way for my own self-development. It's right. Like- You're not having to take the whole lot at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does feel like you're sort of putting your head above the parapet and then, you know, people can just throw whatever they want at you as well. 
they tend not to hopefully you know it's rare to get like i i never get any sort of negative right comments i i think it takes uh being more known for that to happen yeah yeah you know you're successful when people hate you you know (laughs) (laughs) i think you just get a lot of nice comments or nothing Um, but that's the worst one isn't it that's the one we all dread it's like silence yeah 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 it's like putting something out there and then just nobody responds to it because nobody really cares can't even <laughs> it's be like, bothered okay. to dislike it oh come on please but then but then why this is the thing why would that matter you know that's not what it's about it's about creating something and putting it there for whoever finds something in there it's not it shouldn't be about how many people like it or not no and it's a weird one it wants to concentrate on those who do like it rather than I mean I could play to a room of a hundred people and if one person said that shit I would only focus on the person who didn't like it and that, that takes me down like that one person's words can do more damage than the 99 people's love and that's ridiculous because we have enough love in each one of us to conquer every ill in the world you know as long as we can release it <laughs> yep but that's the silly thing about human psyche anyway isn't it yeah a hundred people can say something nice and one person says something bad and you and, and that's the one you believe. And you've invalidated everybody else's wonderful opinion. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> and your own. I suffer yeah. badly from that, like to, to a degree where it's debilitating, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing, you know? Um, but I think that's, in a way, the beauty and also the, the challenge in, in the journey of being a, a songwriter, artist is that there's there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions along the way and some can really derail you and in the end that might have been helpful as well um but it's 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 tricky to navigate that right we get a lot of different kinds of feedback and it's like figuring out which which is helpful Mm. (laughs) and uh, which to take on board and which to kind of let go of well you can't take the good you know, as as genuine, unless you take the bad as genuine either. Unfortunately, you know, you can't you, you can't just take the good comments. You have to sort of take it, notice of the bad ones. You know, a good review is a good review. A bad review comes from somewhere too, unless they're yeah. a s- snarky little person. But I think for myself now, I've had some run-ins recently, and I've been like, okay, this is like the end of level guardian to me now. If I can finally like not be bothered by this shit, I will rise much stronger. So I was shook mm. for a couple of days and now I'm like, I'm actually fine now. I'm over that. Back on track, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. You have to get to that point. It's important. Yeah. So um, talk, talk to me about your artwork. What's the, you're, you're becoming an illustrator or have you always been an illustrator? <laughs> I definitely haven't always been that. Um, I, I have always done like drawings or, you know, clay little puppets or, mm. you know, things. I was always making things as a kid. Um, I think it was actually spurred on by a friend around the time I was doing um, Feathers, the first album. And I, I, I think I've always been confused as to how to present the artwork in a way that was reflecting me or something mm-hmm. um but he, a friend took me to a, a, a exhibition in the camden gallery it was a i forget his name now a polish animator and and um writer he did a lot of poetry and semantics um as well and his drawings are very simple but just very very him and like really really cool and a lot of um uh, sort of collage things and mm. um, I found it really inspiring and then I thought oh you know what stuff it for feathers I'm just gonna I'm just gonna draw whatever comes to mind 
and I did a sketch and then that sketch became the the artwork of the album mm -hmm. and I did I did some little drawings in the in the lyric booklet and yeah sort of started from there and I didn't think much of it um, it was just fun to do mm -hmm. and then for, for everything a season I did the drawings again and there wasn't that much drawing in the artwork itself uh, other than I also did a picture series with like drawings integrated into them mm -hmm. and then from there on and with this album there was a lot more drawing but this was actually the the most valuable thing of the traveling is it gave me time to I don't know think of what I really wanted to do and then the, the days I enjoyed well nearly the most was just sitting and drawing a bit without you know without caring what I was drawing just drawing mm -hmm. um, and that became the artwork for this album and then I'd been working on a uh, a kids book for like w way too many years now this is a project together with Howard actually mm -hmm. um, and I have a friend called Rachel who does amazing drawings and I always wanted to ask her to do the drawings but then everyone kept telling me that I, I needed to just draw it in my own style mm. Um, and I always said, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough at my drawings for that, or you know, whatever. And then I started doing it anyway, just to see what would happen. They're actually coming out really cute, and I think with, you know, getting more faith in just my style. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like realistic or 3D. You know, I just, I just draw a little 2D simple mm. animate animations, little pictures. Well, it's your style. That's 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 evident that your style has become stronger over the three records as well. That. Yeah. You know, you're portraying, you're, you're, you are allowing this thing, though there is some personal resistance to it within you, you know, it is it is still something that's very important to you to bring to life this thing. Because it's, 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 it is a flow, it's flowing from you, right? You're allowing it to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, when we start doing that as musicians, it's, uh, you start really in engaging with the artwork or pictures or all these aspects as a creative expression of yourself it starts to make sense mm. together mm -hmm. um and also as with my songwriting the more i simplify things the more it seems to work mm. is that you a know, case of getting out of your own way as well it's a case that. of getting out my own way and also thinking less is more yeah because with the drawings, I, you know, I was imagining, for instance, for the book, there to be these like big pictures with lots of things in it, like where's Waldo or something, you know, where there's lots of detail and lots of mm. things. And f frankly, I get tired even thinking of making a drawing so, <laughs> so uh, elaborate, because it's uh, that's you know I can't sit there for three days and working on one. I like small projects, you know, where I can do one drawing and it's like a, uh, it like highlights one aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that way I really enjoy making them as well because it's like, it's like a half a day project. I'll do one drawing and like in the end I have something I like mm. that tells a story in its, you know, detail, in its simplicity of that one thing of it rather than, you know, it also gives space for imagination, I think, that way because you're not being pre-drawn the whole picture. You can yeah. form the rest of the picture in your head. You don't need, you know, to see what the the cupboards in the, on the wall look like behind the person you're actually mm. trying to focus on. Yeah, I think with simple things you can taste the individual elements as well and that's that's what you're... Well, yeah. it suits you as well. You, you are getting out of your own way. You're allowing these things to come out. Um, is the book going to be released this year? <laughs> I was hoping so, but... Um, yeah. 
When when this whole situation started, I spent the first couple of weeks doing a new draft for for it, where yeah. I finished it, start to start to attend, uh, and I started doing uh, quite a few of the drawings. I think I've done about five five of the main drawings now. Um, but then I was I was sending it around to a couple of friends, uh, editor friend, and um, and someone else, and they had some feedback, and I um, and it needs to be better because I think there's a something important in that story. Mm. And um, and I, I wanted to work like really, so I, I do need to do a bit more rewriting, and I should be getting more feedback this evening right. from my friend in Italy, who's obviously he's living in an area where the, mm. the virus has taken hold a lot, so he's been struggling. Um, so it, it took him a while, but he's uh, he's sending it to me, and then I can I can continue it. But I, yeah, I was hoping to have it finished by the end of summer, and then it could come out in in the winter. Um, Hard but work. then I'd rather do it right than rush it. Yeah, and also remember that nobody reads the other drafts. They only read the finished product. So it's all about that, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Do you find it's hard work to... to I, I find sometimes with songs it's hard to open them up again and go back in. But maybe with a book it's different, right? I find it hard because I want it. I want it just just be good the way it is, you know. <laughs> so whenever whenever you get feedback, my initial response is, "Ah, oh, damn it, you know, it's not good enough," or like, yeah. "I can't be bothered to go back in." Exactly that. I can't be bothered to go back in. But in the end, um, it's that. It's that you analyze the feedback and you take on board what you think can really make it better. And then, I think it's 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 worth trying to make it better. Yeah. And then uh, also realizing at which point you're happy with it yourself. Um, but I, I, I don't particularly enjoy that process. Like it was, it was funny because I, I wrote the first draft and it was very, very different. And it was from a narrative, like a narrator perspective, like mm-hmm. all sort of not about a particular character. It was more like telling the story as a, you know, outside viewer. And for the listeners, this is a story about... Um, it's about well, it's now about a little girl, yeah. um, and uh, and she goes on a little journey. I think that there is a lot of uh, personal aspects in there again as well. Yeah. Um, but but it wasn't about her at all. There, she she was thought up later because I didn't have a main character. The main character, oh, I don't want to give away too no, much no, of the no, story. No, no, you don't have to. But there is a little girl in this, and we started off talking about a little girl, and as you've said yes. yourself, that there is again the little girl's journey. Um, yeah, it could have been a boy, but I, I decided it was a girl. Actually, it's it's similar to my album. She she's a she's not feeling very connected to the people around her. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have a very connected, uh, supportive home situation, I suppose. Um, and and she's looking for for something externally to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think she realizes in the end that uh, that she already has what she needs. Mm. There you go. Then that's that's you. Yeah, so I think that's that's definitely a, a yeah <laughs> connector thing. Yeah, but then there's in, in that story there's elements of about social social issues and there's elements about environmental issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I have seen a draft of it and I thought it was very very nice and very very powerful yeah. story. And well, that's the thing. I think it can it can spur kids. I hope on mm. to to look at the world differently and it can hopefully support people in moving forwards in a positive way mm. with with uh, how we engage with the world around us. And for, in order for it to do that, it has to really work. Mm. And then because it is a shorter story and it's written for kids, like I think maybe kids about 10, 11, not really young kids. Um, 
but it, you, it's it, there's not a lot of words to waste so you have to really make every word count and mm -hmm. that's really hard mm. i find and then people are commenting on my language because because i'm not a native speaker and i can be quite simplistic in the way i say things but i like that but then people are commenting on that in in the book that that doesn't work or only works to some extent so you have to kind of find your voice in that as well yeah yeah i'm glad i'm not a book writer <laughs> It's not my kind of, not, not at this point. I will write an autobiography at some point, maybe. It's a huge part. It's like very different process. Yeah. I don't know. I do enjoy the process of, of just writing. Where I, When I did the rewrite, actually, that's what I, think I was thinking about earlier. When I did the rewrite, I would do, I would set a timer and do half an hour every day in the morning, first thing. So I'd have, I'd walk the dog and then come back and then do, do that. Yeah. And I wouldn't, uh, this is what um, my friend, my my editor friend told me as well just don't don't stop and analyze it the, the same with songwriting mm -hmm. just write mm. you know set your time for half an hour and write whatever comes out till you get to the end of the story mm. start to the end of the story don't read it back just mm. just write it and then go back through and, and you know edit it and change it and whatever but that made that process actually very enjoyable because you you don't know what's coming next yet yourself. Oh, i know yeah yeah, and there's a moment in the book where she's like, she's snuck onto a train without a ticket. Yeah. And um, and I, I stopped right right before the chapter where something was going to happen. You know, she was either going to get to where she was going or she wasn't. And I wasn't sure yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you sit down to write and actually I felt quite excited because I didn't know it was going to happen <laughs> yet. <laughs> it's your <laughs> it own like, cliffhanger, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's what happened with, um, I, I did the story Lich and Flach and it's the same kind of thing. You start off with nothing and then at the end you've got a whole story. But because they were kids' stories for my kids, I didn't have to go back and edit them really. They just, I think like uh, Enid Blyton probably did that with the Famous Five as well. You're like, how the hell? You know, she's just, there are so many twists and turns, but I think they happen like that. And you're, you're yeah, going the with thing. the flow, you know, you're going with the when flow. When you get out of the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. This is almost an environmental story as well, but... Is your record also sort of semi, like it is for our children, right? It is something about, but it's more the emotional side of things, right? Than the environmental side of things. Definitely more the emotional side, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been finding though, the, the newer stuff I'm writing is, uh, it's also the emotional side. I think there's a lot of uh, spiritual stuff coming through mm -hmm. in there, but I think that's the basis, right? For us to engage with the environment in a healthy way, we need to be engaged with ourselves in a healthy way. So I think that's at the basis of it. Yeah. I think it, that's like, it, maybe it's more important to get people to, to, to live in some sort of awareness or, uh, you know, however you want to call it, that people will naturally take care of their environment that way. Yeah. Then, then sort of try and force ideas onto them that they have to look after the environment. You know, I think if they if they start off with being more aware in themselves, then that would come naturally. Yeah, because they're allowing nature into themselves by being more aware in any case. You know, you're hearing all the birds, you're seeing the grass and the... Yeah. And also, you know, Mother Nature, nature is a, a living thing. Well, know? we are nature, yeah. Yeah. I was... Uh, I always read a lot of books about spirituality of different, different sorts, but I was <laughs> looking at the trees yesterday and you look at the shape of the tree and you look at the shape of our lungs. Yeah. And you realise it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. 
with the branches and the and the the the, the Aliola. You know, I studied yeah. anatomy uh, with Pilates as well. So you look at the anatomy of our bodies and our cells and the way we move and and the way the world, the, the earth moves and uh, the anatomy of you know plants and mm-hmm. it's all the same. You Amazing. Know, the, the, yeah. the, the bark of a tree. If you zoom into your own skin, mm. it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Not even a little bit. It's the same. It's, it's exactly the same. The same yeah. thing. We are sixty-six percent of our DNA is in common with trees. I know that's quite far removed, but that's still more than half. <laughs> You know. Well, I think it's good to realise that, you know, the trees are our, our lungs. You know, we breathe out what they breathe in and the other way around, vice versa. So yeah. if we if we can realise that on a deeper level, then naturally we would behave differently. We'd probably stop siphoning the blood out of the planet and pouring it back into the air as a poison as well, you know. it's uh, We've got our planet on life support systems, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, I think... I, <laughs> so. I, I, think I think this is getting a bit depressing, but coronavirus is certainly helping. <laughs> The air, well, I think you know. this is uh, this is something I, I said to a, a friend ages ago who who broke his elbow oh. badly oh. in a uh, bicycle accident, yeah. and he said this this really sucks. And I said, probably you look back on this in two years and you realise what came out of that that has actually given you trajectory and interesting new perspectives. And he mm-hmm. said, no way, no right. way that would happen. Yeah, and and uh, a year later already he said actually. I think you're right because, you know, he he did a lot of things on the back of that because he was limited. Mm. That actually opened up new doors. So I think, you know... He slowed down. Unless it wipes us out entirely, uh, which we will probably do ourselves more than anything. Well, in 10 years' um, time, apparently, we will do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows? You know, take, take it by the day. But um, y- you can always... That, that's the beauty, I think, of being human. We can always make something positive out of a challenging situation. Mm. Yeah. With creativity. Yeah. I mean, the moon gets brighter when it gets dark. It's like that, you know. There's no... You need the darkness. Otherwise, you can't see the light, you know. There's no... You need these things to point the way. I think uh, we, we both have those themes come back in music a lot, in our music. Yeah. And I th- when I look around at a lot of songwriters like... Uh, well, uh, sorry, Jose Gonzalez, for instance, mm-hmm. or, you know, that's that's a bit... Or like he's been going for a while. Um or Xavier Rudd or, or you know there's a lot of songwriters out there that sort of sing about these themes and you hear it more and more mm. um, I think it's only natural that this comes out in music sadly not so much in mainstream music no what does come out in mainstream music I, I think it's more direct like uh, let's party and like yeah. you know be I don't know it's it's more about addictive behavior I think than than about actual wholesome <laughs> mm. but I don't know um that doesn't affect us we're not operating in I, that oh, realm. Sorry, I, uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know it's all different world you know you turn on the radio you look at the Spotify charts and I don't I, I don't necessarily like uh, that music so much so I don't I don't know mm-hmm. it, it seems uh I, most people feel connected to this though somehow mm. i don't know it'd be interesting to find out what exactly it gives them is it just like lifestyle entertainment yeah yeah well sh- music's supposed to make you either happy sad or move right mm. that's what music works so or rich no it does that <laughs> <laughs> it does that especially for the people who who don't make the music yeah 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 <laughs> so so what, what just before we sign off what's next for you then what's what's happening <laughs> Uh, well, 
I am trying to write songs again. I yeah. haven't put a real focus on it yet because it doesn't feel at this point like that. that's what I need to be doing most of everything. So I want to finish the book. Um, that seems to take bigger priority. Mm. Um, and I, I, I just really want to eventually take my music into the theatres. But, you know, at this point, I think we have to all let go of any ideas of what the future would or wouldn't hold. And mm. Um, and just go with the flow. go with the flow. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Um, thank you so much for having a chat with me today. It's nice to see you as well. I haven't seen you for a long you time, too. so it's good to uh, catch up like that. Um, Definitely. I will be sharing some links of your music at the end of this and uh, spreading the good word. Yes. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for the chat. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. Well, there you go, everybody. That wraps up another episode of Tapping the Flow. I really hope you've enjoyed that conversation. There was some wonderful insight into what it's like to be creative in the current climate and how you balance yourself with that which is expected of you. Also, I think we uh, revealed a few things about van life which aren't possibly that ideal, you know? Um, but ultimately, it's been a lovely trip down memory lane for me as well. And I remember that I have produced many works with Gitter over the years and they're of such high quality that I really totally implore you to go and check them out. You can find some amazing videos and musical releases of guitars at her website gitterderidder.com i'll leave a link there uh, also she has a patreon thing called the happy current which is a wonderful way of getting into her behind the scenes activity and what makes her tick uh, she's also writing a book that will be revealed in future and go stream her music on spotify all of this stuff really helps the artists so i thank you so much for tuning in for another episode Next week, I am speaking to a really, really close friend of mine, someone who has supported me so much over the years from my early days in Killarney as a singer-songwriter, a folk musician, Tim O'Shea. Um, that will be coming soon. In the meantime, I hope you are all uh, having fun and enjoying this. Well, at the moment, it's quite sunny weather, isn't it? Um, so time to go outside and uh, lay the head down, maybe write a song or something like that. Cheers for tuning into Tapping the Flow again. Thank you. Bye-bye.